According to the New York Post, Donald Trump's policies will be vindicated in the wake of the coronavirus. I agree, but I'll go one step further. Donald Trump's policies have already been vindicated. He's been talking about China nonstop. And now Democrats are actually demanding that he bring the manufacturing back by using federal authority to mandate these companies do it. What about border security? Trump has always talked about border security. Now he's secured the northern and southern borders. And guess what? According to three different polls, the majority of Americans approve of Trump's actions on the coronavirus. So why is it then for the longest time people did not approve of what Trump was doing? I've got one simple answer. The media, their lies and the narrative. They twist what he does. They take him out of context. Right now, you've got some viral story about Trump slamming a journalist, Peter Alexander or whatever his name is. But they cut out the context where this guy was sensationalizing and trying to be pessimistic at a time when Trump was trying to be hopeful. Guess what? The majority of Americans are in agreement with what Trump is doing. So why is the press acting this way? It's what they've always done. What if I were to tell you, that when Trump's, after Trump started the task force to deal with the coronavirus, the media started putting out stories saying, no, 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 there's nothing here. This is Trump being xenophobic. What if I told you that after Trump instituted a travel ban on China, the media came out and started smearing him relentlessly, saying it was more nationalism and it was unnecessary. Experts say it wouldn't work. What if I were to tell you that amidst everything they accused Trump of doing, they were doing the same things themselves. You'd probably just say, yes, I know, Tim, what else is new? Well, maybe there are some people who just don't know how bad it really is. So I want to show you how bad it really is. It is impossible in our current media climate to truly understand what's happening because they lie every step of the way. I'm sorry, they do. Look, not every single journalist, not every story. I absolutely rely on many of these news outlets for the news I get too. But when I dig through them and fact check, I can show you that they are completely lying about what's been going on. And, now, and while I've been critical of Trump saying that he could have done a better job, he was actually doing a decent amount at a time when the media was saying there was nothing to do. They criticized Trump saying he downplayed it, saying it was like the flu. Guess what? So did all of the major news outlets. So why is it that every time Trump repeats something he sees, he hears in the news, they turn around and then lie and claim it didn't actually happen, that Trump's a bigot for saying it. And I've got receipts, man. I'm going to show you just how bad it really is. Now, for many of you, it's just confirmation bias. I get it. But maybe there are some people who haven't truly seen how bad it is. Perhaps they haven't seen how the media lies and cuts out the context. I'm going to show you how they do it. Before we get started, Head over to timcast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. But the best thing you can do, share this video. And if you're somebody who has received this video because it was shared with you, give it a chance and let me show you how the media is lying to you about what's been going on with the coronavirus outbreak. For those that are watching and like my videos, make sure you subscribe, hit that notification bell just to make sure that YouTube actually sends you my video because they've been deranking and suppressing all of the videos about this topic. And, you know, look, if I'm going to keep doing this, I'm going to need your support on this one. So here's the story from the New York Post, which I actually don't think I need to read. It's an op-ed and it's very obvious. But let's take a look at this one from the Washington Post. Opinion. This wouldn't have happened if Hillary Clinton had won. Really? Is that what you think? Well, Donald Trump has been uh, has been bullish on or he's really wanted policies to deal with China and border security. So if Hillary Clinton opposed those things, how would it not have happened? If anything, we are in a better position because Trump has held these opinions for a long time. According to the blaze, and I'm going to show you this first so that you have this as a primer before we go into just how awful the media really is. Dr. Fauci credits 
President Trump's China travel ban opposed by Joe Biden with preventing Italy's disaster in the U.S. On MSNBC, Dr. Fauci, many people respect, said that the travel ban Trump instituted with China so that they couldn't come here went to great lengths to actually help protect us. He praised it. This is the expert. And what, and what am I going to show? I'm going to show you how the media actually slammed Trump for doing so. They've opposed him no matter what he does. This is the proof the media narrative is BS. Everything he does is wrong. Take a look at this tweet that I put out this morning. The media study finds promising results. Trump. Wow, these results are promising. Let's get on this. The media. Oh my God, LOL. Trump is so dumb. Orange man is bad. Here's a story from TechCrunch, March 19th. French study finds anti-malarial and antibiotic combo could reduce COVID-19 duration. Yeah, it's good news. The study is very preliminary. It was a small sample size, but it is promising. That was what TechCrunch said. Then on the 21st, Trump touts game-changing drug cocktail for coronavirus linked to fatal arrhythmia. The president, who is not a doctor, recommends a potentially dangerous drug combo to his 74 million followers. What do we have to lose? He asked. It becomes negative all of a sudden. But I thought they were just praising it. How is it that a story can come out? Trump will see it, repeat it. Then all of a sudden it's bad news. Well, take a look at this from Bloomberg. Virus drug touted by Trump, Musk, can kill with just two gram dose, says in a, a Bloomberg story with no byline. So we have no idea who wrote this. Yes, it's just more smears. How about this one? CNN politics, Trump peddles unsubstantiated hope in dark times. And they say for the past two days, Trump has said he is dispensing game changer breakthroughs on treatments and a wartime style effort to mass produce medical supplies. Why, when Trump says hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin could help, they smear him and they say it's dangerous and he's wrong and he is not a doctor. Tell me then, where's the criticism of Governor Cuomo? Andrew Cuomo right now is being propped up with hashtag President Cuomo saying, look how presidential he is amidst this crisis. From CNBC, New York Governor Cuomo says state state to start clinical drug trial, authorizes temporary hospitals, asks U.S. to nationalize medical supply buying. They specifically mention New York State is also running clinical trial beginning Tuesday of a treatment regimen of hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin, two drugs that doctors in Africa and elsewhere say they've seen good results in fighting the virus. Well, hold on a minute. That's what Trump was tweeting about. And now he's being smeared over the exact same thing that Andrew Cuomo is saying. Certainly, we can now see how the media narrative has been a lie the whole time, right? Oh, let me break it down for you. This is going to be fun. Media matters. You got to love media matters. They produce crackpot conspiracy theories. They've lied about me and lies that were so absurd that people looked at it and said, so, so let me tell you what they did. They took a screenshot of me literally reading a news source and then attributed the quote to me instead of the news source and claimed I was spreading conspiracy theories. And it was a mainstream major news source. That's what they do. It's fake news. Fox News and pro-Trump media did everything they could for weeks to downplay the threat of coronavirus. Some in right-wing media may be starting to take the global pandemic seriously, but not before endangering people's lives with reckless coverage. You know, media matters. I actually agree. There, there, there is some dangerous media coverage that needs to be called out. And we should go right to Fox News's Tucker Carlson, who, oh, wait, what's that? On February 3rd, Tucker Carlson was talking about how dangerous this was, met with the president and warned him. Shortly after the president instituted a travel ban on China. Uh, wait a minute. 
Well, I think it's true, to, and it's fair to point out there were Fox News personalities absolutely downplaying this, and I will absolutely give them my criticism and disrespect. But guess what, man? When the New York Times says the same thing, why would I hold them to a special standard? Why would I say Fox News is bad? Mm, now nah, they're all bad. Tucker Carlson's actually really good. They say Carlson talked about the outbreak in his monologue on his show on February 3rd. But attention at the time was focused on the Iowa caucuses and that when people see everything through an ideological lens, it's very hard to tell a straight, straightforward story. There's a story from Newsweek where they actually say that Tucker Carlson warned the president. Well, that's good news because only a few days prior on January 29th, Trump had formed the White House Coronavirus Task Force. Well, that seemed a bit preemptive. And then on the 31st, he actually instituted a travel ban. So Trump administration announces mandatory quarantines in response to coronavirus. Announcement comes as U.S. airlines cancel flights to China amid growing fears. January 31st. You know, you know what was going on January 31st? This is really funny. I was thinking to myself, man, we're in the midst of this lockdown. You know, I can't leave my house. I mean, I can, but you know, I'm not supposed to leave my house. Where was I? Well, I did a video about this on the 23rd of January, and I definitely downplayed it. I immediately corrected when I started seeing the data coming in. But you know, I have my faults too. No one's perfect. And so I started wondering why, why, why weren't we talking about this? Oh, what were the Democrats doing? Well, when Trump was forming a task force to deal with the coronavirus and instituting travel restrictions and a quarantine, the Democrats were trying to impeach him. And was that his fault if his attention was split? It's almost like they're trying to take the plane down while he's flying it and they get mad at him for the bumpy ride. Well, let me show you just how fun things really get. I want you to remember that Media Matters story where they said the dangerous coverage. Ah, yes, dangerous coverage. Like on January 28th, Business Insider writing, the flu is a far bigger threat to most people in the US than the Wuhan coronavirus. Here's why. Wait a minute. Not only are they playing up the false narrative that the flu is worse, but they literally call it the Wuhan coronavirus. I thought that was racist. I thought it was racist when Trump said China virus or Wuhan virus. Oh, guess what? Throughout the entirety of the coverage, the mainstream media has referred to it just as this. Wuhan, China, Chinese. And all of a sudden now they're changing their tune. They're, they're going back and erasing. You know what, man? I don't want to hear it. How about this one from USA Today? Coronavirus is scary, but the flu is deadlier and more widespread on February 1st. This was after Trump had already put in place the ban, after he had already put in place the tax, ta- the coronavirus task force. The media was coming out and saying this. Oh, oh, don't think I'm done. I love this one. Get a grip, America. The flu is a much bigger threat than coronavirus for now. This story from February 1st. How about the New York Times? This is from Farhad Manju who said, the new virus's death toll has just exceeded 130. For context, about 15, millions, 15 million Americans have been sickened by the seasonal flu so far in the 2019-2020 flu season, and 8,200 have died from it. The flu kills between 300,000 and 650,000 people around the world annually. What worries me more than the new disease is that fear of a vague and terrifying new illness might spiral into panic, and that it might be used to justify unnecessarily severe limits on movement and on civil liberties, especially on racial and religious minorities around the world. I'm actually going to give him credit for this one. This story from Farhad, it's actually pretty good. At the time, I think he was justified in saying, I'm not super worried. The, the numbers are kind of low. Now, I think he was still off and it was slightly irresponsible in that the White House had already issued a statement that this was way worse than the flu. But at the time, I can't blame everybody for not being you know, super smart and knowing literally everything because I made similar mistakes. 
I also completely agree with him when he says we're going to see our civil liberties and movement curtailed under the guise of a terrifying new threat. But the point is, you can't criticize the president when he says it's just like the flu, when the New York Times said the flu was worse. You want to know where Trump got the crazy idea that the coronavirus wasn't that bad? He got it from the fake news. He got it from the media that is now criticizing him for saying what they literally said. It's, it's, it's amazing. I absolutely love it. Op-ed. The new coronavirus isn't a threat to people in the United States, but the flu is. Thanks, LA Times. Now, here's what we have from WhiteHouse.gov. This is January 31st, mind you. Dr. Fauci. Thank you very much, Mr. Secretary. The concept that's underlying the action that you'll hear about shortly is the issue of the unknown aspects of, the, of this particular outbreak. So let me enumerate just a few of those. I can start off by putting it into perspective by telling you I often get asked. We have an influenza outbreak here. We have about 8,000 deaths already. We have about 100,000 hospitalizations. Why are we paying such attention? And why are we doing the kinds of things we're doing here right now? Well, the reason is, despite the morbidity and mortality with influenza, there is a certainty, for example, of seasonal flu. I can tell you all guaranteed that as we get into March and April, the flu cases are going to go down. You could predict pretty accurately what the range of the mortality is and the hospitalizations as we've done over the years. So, so let me, let me, let me reiterate. On January 31st, 2020, Dr. Fauci had warned the American people in a press briefing, the flu is not that bad. Yet in the days following, the media published story after story after story saying the flu is actually worse. Did they not heed the warnings of the now famous Dr. Fauci? Someone who was put on a task force by the president? And so when the president comes out and then repeats the, 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 the misinformation they, they say, they blame the president for what they said? It's like the tweet I showed you in the beginning. Trump, Trump sees a story in the news about these, these two drugs that are, that are you know, going to help out. And he says, hey, this sounds great. And they start smearing him for it. And now we have Andrew Cuomo of New York doing it. I don't see anybody smearing him over the exact same thing. It's how the media plays you. Trump is just repeating what he sees in the news. Oh, but there's more because you know I'm not going to be finished yet. From Politico on, this is February 4th. Coronavirus quarantine travel ban could backfire, experts fear. The government had, has broad legal authority to detain people in the name of public health, but politically and diplomatically, it's more complicated. Oh, here's one. Health experts warn China travel ban will hinder coronavirus response. And there's more. Trump's travel ban expansion is an unexpected win for China. Oh, I love that one, Washington Post. How about Project Syndicate? Not super familiar, but they say Trump's travel ban benefits only China. Here we have The Verge saying the new policies contradict advice from the World Health Organization, which said yesterday that countries should not restrict travel or trade in their response to the new virus. The World Health Organization said the outbreak of the coronavirus is a public health emergency of international concern. World Health Organization. It was against their guidelines. Really? Remember when they tweeted this on January 14th? Preliminary investigations conducted by the Chinese authorities have found no clear evidence of human-to-human transmission of the novel coronavirus identified in Wuhan. Oh, thanks, thanks, World Health Organization, for uh, sharing fake information, fake news from China, which made the problem worse. And then you said Trump's plan was a bad idea and he shouldn't restrict travel. It was against our recommendations. And now Dr. Fauci on MSNBC is saying it was important. It was a good thing. This is why Americans aren't buying the narrative anymore. You can only go so far screeching that the orange man is bad and everything he's, he's doing is wrong up until people start getting confused because the timeline is being crunched. How is it that just last month, 
They said Trump was wrong to be concerned about this. And now we're here and they're saying Trump is, 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 was wrong for not being as concerned as we are now. It literally doesn't make sense. If you're going to smear the Trump and uh, smear the president, in the Trump, the, the president in story after story about his travel ban being a bad idea. But now Dr. Fauci is saying it was great that he did it. How does it make sense? January 23rd from Vox.com. The evidence on travel bans for diseases like coronavirus is clear. They don't work. They're political theater, not good public health policy. This is just what they do. When Trump does something, it's bad. When he does the opposite, it's bad. When he repeats information from them, it's bad. Congratulations. The narrative is busted. It's being exposed for what it is because we're in a real crisis, along with many uh, other vanity politic projects, right? All the social justice talk seems to evaporate. Celebrities seem to become inconsequential because we're dealing with a serious emergency now. And because life is not all candy canes and rainbows, what do we see? In major urban centers where the Democrat strongholds are, they're raiding gun shops. They're running in there buying up everything. What's that? I thought you weren't big on the Second Amendment. Now, when Trump is shutting down the border and turning away all asylum seekers, what do the polls show? Many Democrats are starting to agree with Trump. As I've said in numerous videos in the past, it is easy to criticize the system when you live in safety and security. All of these woke progressives atop their ivory tower don't know of the real struggles Americans face. And so for them, it's easy. And this is why I think you'll see that in middle America, in these dying towns where people are unemployed, they're, they're screaming, help us. And what do we get? The media gives them nothing but disdain because they don't understand just how hard things really are until Trump comes along and starts saying, I'm going to do these things to help you. And guess what? Trump was right. He was right about China. He's right about border security. And now Americans are starting to realize why he was right. And it's unfortunate. Trump should not have had to, be, to, had to have been proven right in these circumstances with people losing their lives. But unfortunately, he is. I'm starting to question all of, you know, I've seen all these videos and I was critical of the president because he had been downplaying the coronavirus. And Tucker Carlson says it was because Trump didn't trust the fake news. You know, this, these media outlets that pump out this fake, you know, fake information, I'm not surprised. But it turns out much of it was kind of a hoax. It's what we see. You know, you, you may have seen that clip where Trump does a thing with his hand and mocks the reporter. The media then came out and said he was making fun of a guy for being disabled. I believed that for a long time. And then someone sent me a video. It's from the walkaway campaign, people, where it shows Trump making fun of everyone doing the same thing, the same arm movements. He wasn't singling that guy out. Trump's just, <laughs> Trump's just, he just mocks people. I'll, I'll put it that way. And so I was, I started to realize, oh, I mean, you can criticize him for doing that and his bad behavior, but the media had lied about it. Now we have that story, which I, I may have mentioned. It's that guy from, from, uh, I think NBC. They're sharing a clip saying Trump is attacking the press because he called this guy a bad reporter. They're saying this guy lobbed a softball question at Trump asking, what would you say to Americans who are scared right now? And Trump said, I would say you're a bad reporter and then lays into the guy. What they cut out was the minutes of context before this, where the guy was, was being overly, I don't know, he was fear mongering. He was panicking. He was pessimistic saying, stop giving people false, false hope. You're giving people false hope with this medication. And Trump was trying to say, look, it may not work. I'm trying to be hopeful. There's, these things are promising. But the guy kept going after him. So finally, Trump said, you know what? You're a bad reporter. And there it is. The out of context snip. 
What they won't show you in any of this is how the media has perpetuated lies, smeared the president and claimed everything he was doing was wrong. And as soon as he reacts, they flip the script, cut the context and make him look like he's a crazy person. I don't think what Trump did was perfect. I actually am still a bit critical of his early response, but I start to realize as I dig into this, I wasn't paying attention to what the media was saying because the impeachment process. So when I started, now that we're in the midst of a new global crisis with the coronavirus pandemic, I started looking at all these other stories and I was just shocked to find, wow, you know, I was wrong a bit. Trump was reacting to this. I still don't think it was perfect, but you know what? He made that task force and he brought on Dr. Fauci, who many people respect. And Fauci warned all of us on January 31st, the flu was not as bad, that coronavirus would be worse. Certainty was an issue and the media still pushed its lies. In the wake, we're starting to see that much of the politics of these people on the left, it's fake. Take a look at this story from Post Millennial. The social justice cult is falling apart as the world faces a real crisis. These political plays, these claims, the woke activism, it can't survive. We're dealing with a real crisis where we just don't need celebrities anymore. Many jobs people are finding out are completely irrelevant. Fortunately for these media people who have pushed fake news over and over again and espouse this garbage narrative, fortunately for them, but not for the rest of us, they're still considered critical infrastructure, essential personnel. I kind of gag, but you know what? What can you say? You take the good with the bad. But then I go back to the first story. Trump's policies will be vindicated. For me, I've read all of these stories. I now realize just how much the media had lied about him and continue to do so. They continue to lie almost every day. And I think to myself, you know what? His policies are being vindicated and not even just his. I mean, I made a video about this a couple days ago. Conservatives were proven right on border security and the Second Amendment. You can't you can't see Ilhan Omar and, and MSNBC and CNN pundits praising the president and not recognize it. There are people who are who are now waking up to the fact that we need to do many of the things he's, he's proposed, that the media has been tricking us. But I'll leave it there. Maybe it's not perfect. Maybe there's something I missed. I certainly think it's fair to point out Fox News personalities did downplay this. One lady got pulled off the air because of it. Was it was it Trish Reagan? I could be wrong. So yes, criticism where criticism is due. I absolutely will criticize Fox News. But guess what? Tucker Carlson was one of the first. That guy continues to impress me. He, he was early on. He went met with the president. And because of him, I've said in the past, Tucker Carlson may have saved the country. I think I, I really mean it here. I mean, this crisis we're facing is a legitimate existential threat. Many people are going to lose their lives and the economy is in serious danger. How we react to it, I don't know what the right answer is. All I can tell you, the media lied. I'll see you all the next se- in the next segment at youtube.com slash timcastnews starting at 6 p.m. Thanks for hanging out. Martial law, the military takeover of domestic enforcement, the suspension of civil liberties. Could it happen here? Well, a lot of people would probably say, no, of course not. That would be absurd. It's only happened on extremely rare occasions. However, the same people or others might not have expected the pandemic to have hit us, thinking this could never happen either. It's called an optimism bias. You think it won't happen. These things are rare. Everything's going to be A-OK until it happens. And now we're facing a global pandemic with an exponential increase in the amount of deaths every day. In Italy, for instance, they had nearly 800 deaths in a single day. Yes, that's substantially worse than the flu. With the flu, the military doesn't have to be called in to cart away the corpses. I know it might be a little harsh, but it's reality. 
Italy is dealing with a serious issue, a mortality rate of around 7%. And it is because they have an older population and many other factors. But still, with the flu, there's certainty. We know what the mortality rate is. We know the infection rate. We know how to deal with it. And sometimes people lose their lives. We are now facing an ever-growing threat. There's going to be way more people who are, who are likely to die from this if we don't get a handle on things. Well, now we are seeing that martial law may become, well, we're closer to it than ever before. Many people have been asking, will the military take over? And it just so happens that the United States government has put in place a plan for extraordinary circumstances and martial law, meaning the military would actually take over. A bunch of videos went viral showing military vehicles on trains. The first thing I have to say about this is that, dude, these videos are everywhere all the time because the military is always moving equipment. It's just that now, because we're in this pandemic, this lockdown, people are highlighting it. Normally, when people see military vehicles on trains, they go, oh, wow, look at that Humvees. But because we're in a lockdown, they're going, whoa, and they pull up their cameras, film it, send it to their friends. It goes viral. Everybody freaks out. Just like that viral, that viral tweet, I'm sorry, the viral text message that was going around, that was absurd, saying that Trump was going to lock the country down for two weeks and get prepared. Look, at the time, it was very obviously a hoax, but people wanted to share it because they're kind of freaking out. It is still possible that Trump institutes a, a full on lockdown. Many people have called for it. So I want to show you what's going on with martial law. But I got to make two important points as before we read the story. One, I still think we're a ways away from the military f- coming in and fully taking over Right now, we, look, look, we're facing an invisible threat. This is the coronavirus, okay? It's a pandemic. It's not a group of people. So to an extent, you might see the military enforcing a lockdown. For the most part, though, the military, the National Guard, they're coming to help us. Like, they're people too. And we're going to work together to get through this. If you see a bunch of dudes in, you know, military gear or whatever, it's not because there's an evil empire coming to oppress you. It's because they were called in to assist in the crisis. So like, I've, I've, I'll tell you some stories about how I think it's funny. People, there are a lot of people who really do feel like military uh, personnel are others. And typically I find these are city people who have never actually been in a military base or met people who are in the army, national guard or whatever, but they're just like people doing jobs. So I, I don't, I, for me, I'm not too worried for the most part. I do think we're facing an unprecedented time and things may get worse. So preparing is very, very important. Get your supplies. And I've talked about it time and time again. Don't let anyone shame you. At this point, I'm pretty sure no one's going to bother shaming you if you actually want to go out and buy supplies. But there's some really crazy stuff going on, man. The DOJ has requested emergency powers. They would like to be able to indefinitely detain anyone during this emergency, basically saying they can lock you up without trial or hold you before a judge can even, you know, basically it's, it's, not just that they're saying we want to indefinitely detain anybody. It's that they're saying before we even process you for arrest, we should be able to take you and put you in a cell. And it's likely due to the fact they're concerned about people who may be sick, who are violating quarantine. And thus, for the sake of everyone, they're like, we need to be able to do this. Not a fan. And Rand Paul has called it out. Rand Paul is saying on in Twitter, we absolutely must, must resist government run amok, taking advantage of a crisis. This is how your liberty dies. Stand up America and resist. DOJ seeks new emergency powers amid coronavirus pandemic. I like this guy, Rand Paul. I mean, I'd agree with him on some cultural issues. I certainly agree with him on freedom and we must resist. I got to be honest. I, I don't know how much longer content like mine will be tolerated, will be allowed. 
They've already been demonetizing every single video I've done. Well, I should say every single. It's weirdly like 95% of the videos I do on coronavirus get demonetized. Yet for some reason, some of them don't. I honestly have no idea why. Different reviewers, maybe. But I posted this on Twitter. I mentioned it before. It's just a wall of confirmed demonetization. They're basically saying, if you talk about this, you will not make money. And so I know business as usual has been suspended. But you know what? Here's what I recognize. For the, for the thousands, maybe even millions of Americans who have lost their jobs, been laid off, I still am lucky to continue to work and make some money, especially with all the support you guys give me through contributions or when I do sponsor spots. That helps keep things floating. So you know what? I know I'm going to lose money talking about this stuff, but these are the things that must be talked about. You want to see how scary things are really getting? Now, martial law may be a ways away. I don't know. But I can show you something that really, really freaks me out. Laura Ingram, you know who she is. Fox News host. Kind of bombastic. Yeah, it's Fox News. What do you expect? Um, I think she's all right. I'm not a big fan. I like Tucker Carlson a lot. I think Tucker's the best guy on TV, to be honest, in cable news. But uh, Laura does her thing. I got no beef. I just don't really watch her show. She tweeted this Medium article, Evidence Over Hysteria, COVID-19, 6469 Medium. This was an article that's been going viral. In fact, I commented on it the other day, and I was critical of it. I actually cited a, another conservative Trump supporter who was also critical of it. And I think this is important to point out. Laura Ingram and many conservatives are sharing this story, this article, which does a deep dive analysis into, the COVID-19, uh, into COVID-19, the pandemic, and what they think the appropriate action would be, which is not as harsh as what we're doing now. Will Chamberlain is a Trump supporter, conservative. He runs humansevents.com, and he was critical of this. It's important because you, you can see that even within the Trump supporting right, they're not in total agreement as to whether or not this was a good analysis. But analysis nonetheless, I absolutely respect the person who wrote it for the ideas they put forth. I just think their ideas were bad. Now, in no way was this article hate speech or misinformation to a certain degree. Like, I think the analysis was poor, but a lot of the information was right. It just depends on how you take that and interpret the data. So we can argue about the data and the appropriate response. And we must, as a freedom loving people, we will present ideas and challenge them. You want to see what happens now on Twitter when you try and go to this analysis questioning the lockdown? This is what really freaked me out. Warning, this link may be unsafe. Twitter is trying to stop me from reading a critical analysis of what our government is doing. It is not your right, Twitter. Who do you think you are? And that's why I say even my channel may not be long for this world. Look at this. They say the link you are trying to access has been identified by Twitter or our partners as being potentially harmful or associated with a violation of Twitter's terms of service. This link could lead to a site that steals your password or personal information installs malicious software programs on your computer, collects your personal information for spam purposes, has been associated with a violation of Twitter's terms of service. And there's the big old button. Go back to the previous page. Don't click that link. Okay, first of all, the link goes to medium.com. Medium is just a crowd. It's a, it's a, it's a user generated content site for written articles. It's like YouTube for written articles. Could you imagine if Twitter said this YouTube link may steal your password or private information? Sounds scary, doesn't it? No, this was a critical analysis of what we're doing to our economy, to our culture. I don't agree with it, but nonetheless, these ideas must be discussed. Twitter is saying no. 
And now let me one up it for you. Do you know what happens when you actually go to the link? Error 410. The post is under investigation or was found in violation of the medium rules. What rules? It wasn't fake news. It was critical analysis. It wasn't hate speech. Didn't point the finger at any groups of people. It was just a long breakdown of how this person felt about the ongoing crisis. You want to talk about the potential for martial law? Maybe. Let's read the story. The Military Times asks, will the coronavirus lead to martial law? And that's the question I've been wondering. And I honestly don't know. But I can tell you the big tech companies have no regard for freedom of thought, freedom of expression. They care more for blind obedience. And they will lie, cheat, and steal to mandate what they want. I don't understand how they've been able to do this. This Twitter saying that someone's analysis is unsafe. Why? Says who? You? The authority? What authority? Are we not allowed to talk about these ideas? Am I not allowed to talk about these ideas? How long until my videos get removed entirely? You know what? Honestly, I'd be willing to bet maybe soon. Now, I will point out my main channel, which is youtube.com slash Timcast, has been cleared to talk about coronavirus, which is also very strange to me. This channel is not. That's why I say 95% of the videos I do are demonetized. For some reason, they've determined that my, my flagship channel is allowed to talk about this. Why not anybody else? Why can't we talk about what's going on? Why will you demonetize this? Monetization on YouTube is an incentive model. People won't talk about things if they don't make money doing it. That's true for me too. I try and strategically place the content I do. So my main channel typically is political commentary dealing with the election and things like that. Very, very mainstream, run-of-the-mill, moderate commentary. Hey, what's going on with Trump? What's going on with Biden? Is Bernie going to win? That kind of stuff. It's very safe. And that's because they've put my channel under hard scrutiny. If I deviate in any wrong direction, they shut the video down. That's why I have two other channels. This channel, I'll talk about whatever I need to talk about. And I keep my flagship as kind of a support system. It's the foundation that allows me to keep working. Now, with something as serious as coronavirus, I'm not going to stop, right? There's a limit. If you tell me that I can't talk about, you know, I don't know, some weird circumstance or whatever, it's like, I mean, if, if I don't care, I don't care. And so I'll make it work. But when it comes to the coronavirus, this is something serious we need to talk about. When it comes to martial law, it's something serious we need to talk about. And you can demonetize me all day and night. I'm going to talk about it. I, I can't ignore this. If, if there's something, you know, more relevant, I'll talk about it. So basically, I'll put it this way. There are limits. Everybody is, you know, being pushed in different directions. For the most part, I benefit off of being a rather moderate individual with mainstream commentary. I say mainstream and like broad, eh, moderate, you know, it's not too far in one direction or the other. So I'm not super concerned with the heavy scrutiny that YouTube has on me. It actually benefits me because my, my videos get monetized more often. With the coronavirus, they're basically pressuring me and slowly pushing down saying, stop talking about this. At a certain point, they're going to have to delete my channels because I will absolutely show you what these tech companies are doing to suppress anyone who may have an opinion to the contrary of the machine. If we continue in this direction that Twitter is bringing us, there will only be homogenous thought and we can never accept that. And that's why I'll give another hard shout out to Senator Rand Paul for calling out the DOJ's seeking of emergency powers. The line must be drawn. Tech companies must not be allowed to arbitrarily remove opinions that run contrary to the government's desire or emergency powers or whatever. And this is the threat we're faced with when we give massive private companies control. There's a constitution that protects us. 
to a certain degree. They'll declare an emergency and try and take away our civil liberties. But big tech companies that control speech, they can just do it. And they're doing it now. Now about that martial law. This plan we see from the Daily, from the Daily Mail, extraordinary circumstances. And apparently we're a long ways off from anything like this happening. They're, they have a, I believe it's a four-star general. They say, the coronavirus crisis is forcing U.S. military planners to look at extraordinary circumstances and prepare for a range of radical scenarios, including the imposition of martial law. Northcom commander General Terrence J. O'Shaughnessy would lead the country if Washington were crippled by the current COVID-19 crisis. It's important to be fair. The crisis is real. The, the pandemic is serious. I, if you don't believe me, watch the videos from Northern Italy. They are horrifying. Read the stories from doctors. I guess if you don't want to believe any of it, fine. But the idea that all of these governments, even ones that don't like each other, are working in concert with this big hoax to me is just shockingly absurd. Some people believe it. Listen, this is serious. I know people who are personally affected. I've talked to people who, who have experienced what's going on, you know, in hospitals and with sickness. So I, I'm relatively close to this. You know, you got to be careful with the six degrees of Kevin Bacon on this one. People might say like, my friend's sister knows a guy. Mm. Well, my friends are telling me stories that how they're being affected by this. So I'm seeing it. I think it's real. I think we should take it seriously. And I respect our law enforcement and military personnel who are doing what they can to try and protect us. Martial law may come about. And look, I got to be honest. If we're facing a true apocalyptic scenario, then we might actually need the military to step up to preserve our way of life and try and save us. That's what they're supposed to do. The issues I have are the abuses of power and how this may linger. And that's a challenge. Where do you draw the line? It's very easy for governments to say, look at the boogeyman. Now give us your rights. Right now, I think we're dealing with a serious threat. So it's not so much they're going to make it up. A lot of people are scared the government makes things up and will try and steal your rights. In this instance, they might exploit the emergency to gain that kind of power. There are some limits that we place, but it does seem like over time we gradually give up more and more of our rights. To me, it's kind of strange. The Constitution says the government shall not, yet we can just declare an emergency and take away the constitutional rights. I mean, they can. They can literally do it. The president or Congress can declare martial law. What's the point of a constitution if they can just declare an emergency whenever they want? So, so it works. I do, I do love the constitution. I got to be honest. My ability to speak when I want to. But the threat we also see now outside of the potential for martial law is that even though I have the right to free speech, YouTube could just shut me down if they wanted to. I could cease to exist tomorrow and you'd be like, wow, what happened to Tim's channel? And people would freak out about it for a minute. They'd be like, whoa, YouTube deleted Tim. And then in a week, they'd not think about it at all. And they would go on with their lives and they would do nothing. That's the real problem. And they know it. I can't believe we, we saw that, that post got take, taken down. I, I'm flabbergasted. Flabbergasted, I say. So the Military Times wrote this a few days ago. Will the coronavirus lead to martial law? We don't know. But let me read you what is martial law and what we, what we should see or, or what, what, we, what we can't expect. The Military Times says, in simple terms, martial law is the replacement of civil rule, civil rule with temporary military authority in a time of crisis. While its imposition is rare, the U.S. does have several noteworthy instances where martial law came into play, including in times of war, natural disasters, and civic disputes. Though there is no precise definition of martial law, the precedent in the United States holds that under it, certain civil liberties may be suspended, such as the right to be free from unreasonable searches and seizures, freedom of association, and freedom of movement. 
and the writ of habeas corpus, the right to a trial before imprisonment may be suspended. I don't like any of that. I don't like any of that. I got to admit, though, with the coronavirus stuff, you're not going to see me willfully breaking quarantine or going out and acting like a moron. I think it's important that we all come together and do what we need to do to support those who are trying to save our lives. But part of me is, 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 is concerned with a potential issue that when this all blows over, could you have a government official pull up that new report from the CDC that says we've done it, we've won? And he says, we can't, let's get out. And he crumples up the report, throws it in the trash and says the virus is worse than ever because they can and we have to trust them. That's what's scary. We can only hope that people wouldn't do these things. But as you know, power, you know, tends to corrupt and absolute power tends to corrupt. Absolutely. The Military Times says martial law can be declared by both the president and by Congress. The governor of a state may also declare martial law if it is included in that state's constitution. However, Congress has never solely imposed it. They go on to mention that during the War of 1812, there, there was some martial law. Then there was, you know, times like uh, the Japanese internment in World War II or post 9-11. They say, but martial law is not without its limit. The Posse Comitatus Act passed on June 18, 1817, stopped federal troops from supervising Confederate state elections during Reconstruction. I want to tell you a funny story. First, while I am concerned about these big tech companies shutting down critical analysis, while I am concerned about the military, not, not, not so much the military, but evil people wanting power and using this as an excuse to take it, it's important to note that the people who are serving in the armed forces are just people, man. When I was at Occupy Wall Street, something funny really happened. Now, this is a protest inside a big park in New York. Most of you are probably familiar with it. People were camping and the police tried to remove them to little success for the first two months, at least. And one day, a couple of young guys who looked like they were like 18 or 19 in some, some kind of military uniform were uh, walking around. I don't know. Uh, so they were wearing what looked like military uniforms. And it doesn't seem that they were doing anything in any official duties or acting under orders. I don't want to necessarily say they were on leave or anything like that, but it seemed like they were just moseying about, walking around New York City, maybe had some time to go explore Manhattan, maybe didn't live, maybe, you know, hadn't lived there and were there visiting or on a mission or something, but they weren't there in any official capacity. No one ordered them to go to Zuccotti Park, and there were just two of them. And they showed up, and they were just like standing around like any other person was. And I saw them didn't mean anything to me. I've briefly lived on military bases. I have friends who are in the military. So I'm like, it doesn't mean anything to me. But a couple of these hippie activists started freaking out. And this old guy started panicking, saying the military's coming. Oh, the military's coming. They're going to shut us down. And so I hear this guy, you know, panicking. I'm like, it's just some, some like enlisted kids, dude, calm down. And he, he goes up to these kids and he starts screeching posse comitatus over and over and again, over and over again, looking at him going, posse comitatus, posse, you can't, rah. And I'm just like, oh man. And I look at the guys and I'm like, I don't know, dude, this dude's nuts. Look, people, some people are paramedics. You don't freak out and think that everyone's going to die because the paramedics have shown up. Some people are police. You don't freak out and think the police are going to come and arrest anybody just because they're standing there. We're all human beings. We do different things. If a battalion showed up and a bunch of Humvees and they jumped out with guns and were running and the lights turned on, I'd be like, whoa, that's crazy. But a couple of dudes walking down the street, calm down, man. So I'll, 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 put, I'll, leave it, I'll leave it at this. I think we're closer than we've ever been in recent history to actual martial law. And as more and more dumb kids keep going around and dancing and doing shots of each other's butts, which they're actually doing during a time of crisis, you're going to see more and more harsh enforcement of this because people are stupid. 
But I don't think we need the military to enforce anything. The police can do just fine. Manhattan is a ghost town. And you're not even you're not even mandated to stay in your home. Although we're having the shelter in place order in many states, like my state, they straight up said you can go out and do your thing. Just limit your gatherings. It's like, that's not particularly harsh, man. Now I'm concerned about what the big tech companies are doing, but I'll tell you what, for the time being, I can go to the store with no problem. They've specifically said critical infrastructure and essential services will be available. Go do your thing. In fact, even though they ordered the closure of retail stores, a bunch of retail stores are saying they're going to do curbside delivery. So they're allowed to remain open. The world isn't ending. We're taking precautions. Everyone needs to calm down. With that being said, I will end this by saying, heed the words of Senator Rand Paul. I like this guy a lot. Do not let the government seize more power in a time of crisis. They will always, they will always exploit it. Never let a good crisis go to waste, they say. I'll leave it there. Stick around. Next segment will be at 1 p.m. on this channel, and I will see you all then. In these trying times, you will often see people try to exploit fears or try to manipulate people for political gain or, or something to that effect, right? Right now, there's a scary story that the Department of Justice is seeking emergency powers to indefinitely detain people because, well, it's an emergency. But we also see people exploiting the far left, the grifters of social media. And there's no better example than this viral clip, which has 2.64 million views. And that's not counting where it exists on other platforms. The video is, it depicts several people, a couple people shoplifting from various stores and you don't really know what they're doing. It's kind of weird, but it's playing the song from Robin Hood about Robin Hood and Little John. So when you first see the video, you're just like, they're just stealing from stores as if that's a good thing. Ah, but in the second half of the video, they then take all of their stolen goods wearing latex gloves and make food and, and sanitary packs to pass out to the homeless. Oh, my heart be still. The great socialists robbing from the rich, well, Target, I guess, and giving to the poor. And of course, throughout the comments, tons of socialists, little roses in their, in their names, that's the Democratic Socialist people, are cheering, saying, I love this so much. I love you. But you know what? Of course, it's too good to be true. As it turns out, the people behind this viral video are the same people behind bum fights. Yeah, videos showing bums doing stunts, and then they apparently had to pay the bums or something. I'll, I'll, I'll read into all that. And also, guess what they're doing? selling merch. $20 t-shirts are available, depicting police cars on fire. Man, capitalism always wins. Because even if the socialists believe in this stuff, they fall prey to market forces. Yes, these people who want to see, you know, the police cars on fire will rush to buy the overpriced shirts of the capitalists selling them their (laughs) socialist propaganda. Now, I will say, this backfires on the capitalists because they then try, try exploiting the ideology of the far left and people eat, eat up that propaganda. And we see this in an expose from the infamous Mike.com, which I'll, I'll, I'll reiterate a little bit, maybe at the end of this, but just so you know, there was a leftist social justice website that was one of the fastest growing, was valued, I think like a hundred million dollars. As it turns out, It was just a couple of young guys who figured out a path to making a ton of money by exploiting social justice rhetoric, but they ended up creating a ton of zealots and contributing to this problem. The capitalists who tried to exploit the system or who literally did bred a bunch of socialists who now threatened them. So let's take a look at this. Here's the tweet from Vitalist International. We have already been training for this moment because the skills don't develop overnight. Without hashtag five demands, this will be all of us. Credits to in decline official on Instagram. 
And here you can see there is a man and he's, he's grabbing those packs of almond butter and stuffing them in his pants. Now, there's a few important things before we, we, we get into who is behind this and how they're probably trying to make money on it. You can see they show police inside the store, which looks like this one looks like Whole Foods. But there's a few things that I want to point out. I believe this video is actually fake. Well, it could be real. And if it is, these people are really, really, really stupid. And even if they did fake it, they're still kind of stupid. Because in many jurisdictions, filming yourself committing a crime, even pretending to, is still a crime. I guess the issue is the police don't want you glorifying crimes. There was a story I tweeted a moment ago where that guy was licking ice cream. Remember that girl who licked ice cream in the, in the, in the Walmart or whatever, and then put it back? Apparently, this caused a trend. Some other guy tried to recreate the viral sensation by licking ice cream as well. And then what he claimed he did in the video, you see him lick the ice cream, put it back. Then he says he immediately opened the fridge back up, took the ice cream out and bought it. And it was a joke. Guess what? He still got charged for filming the commission of a crime because the company still has to throw everything away. In this video, you can see a couple people or it looks like, yeah, it's a couple people. It's a guy, a man and a woman stuffing backpacks with stuff, pouring things in, breaking over a bag of oranges or clementines, throwing the bag away and then leaving. First, in this scene right here, you can see the side of a police vehicle, which reads Las Vegas Metropolitan. You can then see what looks like some red, red writing on the side of the building. I'm not entirely sure what the red writing says, but I've been to many Target stores. So my immediate assumption was this must be a Target or it very well may be. Also, because you can see right here, there are red bike posts with red trim on the building. Looks like a Target to me. You can all see there's some palm trees and there's a shopping center over there. So guess what I did? I said, okay, first, let me point out, we have many identifying features of this of the individual. His keychain, for instance, what's on that keychain? His sweater, the clothes he's wearing, and his backpack, as well as the female wearing black with red nail polish. Really? I mean, these, <laughs> these people don't think, do they? These are identifying features, which will make it very easy for law enforcement to, to figure out who they are. Then you can see that they're in Las Vegas and they're at a Target. And it took me, I kid you not, like two seconds to figure out where they did this. It is the Maryland Parkway, Las Vegas. So this video, in my opinion, is likely a hoax. They probably pretended to steal a bunch of stuff and then put it all back in their cart and went and paid for it because they're filming a marketing stunt. And guess what? It's working. The video's got 2.68 or whatever million views. You're being taken for a ride. But let me, let me just do this. I'm going to take the little man here and I'm going to drop him down in front of this here target so you can see it looks like this is the target they were at. Congratulations. So now we know what store they're at. We know what they were wearing. We know what their backpack and their keychain looks like. So if the police really wanted to, they could track these people down in like literally two seconds. So <laughs> you can see, I, I highlighted this tweet for a reason. Oodalali, you are all heroes. Eat the rich. You're falling for a marketing scheme, dude. These people are selling you t-shirts. Look at this. In decline official, you asked. In decline delivered. Stay warm t-shirt just dropped online for $19. Black print limited run. Update nearly sold out. And then I love how they use, uh, it's, it's the, <laughs> wait, is that for real? Is that the black emoji fist? These people are, are just manipulating. It's, it's a manipulation for profit. And guess what? It works. 
It does. I mean, look, I'm assuming they nearly sold these shirts out. This was uh, six weeks ago, so I'm not saying they sold this shirt, but the company sells merch. And it says, in decline, stay warm, and it's a cop car on fire. They're exploiting the far left sentiment to make money. And it works. It really does. Check this out. Over on Reddit, the complete anarchy subreddit. I'm not sure if this is a a real or fake. I think maybe they're, I think they're mocking uh, anarchy. You know, I think that's the point. It says, now is the time for solidarity and mutual aid. This very well may be them mocking it. I don't know. But everyone keeps saying praxis. So this person says, it's a very, it has the aesthetic of praxis, but that's about it. It always struck me as performative more than anything else. So I want to make sure it's clear. I don't, I'm not familiar with these subreddits and it's, it could be an, an ironic subreddit where they're making fun of anarchists or maybe it just comes up. Maybe they're just so stupid that it looks like they're making fun of anarchy. Well, our far left anarchy, I guess they say in one of the rules being needlessly rude or excessively uh, or excessively argue with other flavors of anarchism. Take it to debate anarchism. Okay. Well, you basically have people saying, yes, yeah, do it. Yeah, still, still stuff. First of all, man, let me tell you something. There's nothing heroic about going to a store and stealing a bunch of products in a time of crisis when people need it. If you want to help out, do some work, make some money, buy the things you need so that the workers can get paid. And then you can give those things to people. You're, I mean, look, I get it. You're stealing from target major corporations. They have loss prevention. They factor this into their shrink numbers. So it's not the worst thing in the world, but this, in my opinion, is destructive. It causes problems for society. Destroying something isn't helping anyone. In fact, that's the point. That's one of, one of the anarchists actually says that. Why don't you buy these things so you can minimize the destruction and collateral damage to the workers and then go help the homeless people? That's basically what they do. At the end, you can see them wearing gloves and throwing bags out to homeless people. So, hey, look, man, I get it. You want to help the homeless. They made it an anti-Trump thing, I guess, which is, in my opinion, also kind of stupid. But a lot of people have been pointing this out. Even the r slash socialism 10 hours ago, seeing it reach 4,200 points. When the capitalist state fails its people, the people make do. Bravo, good socialists. Oh, wait, what's that? The people behind this are the people behind bum fights. Well, wait, that can't be true. Hold on a second. Here's the in decline Instagram. Here's them saying credits to in decline. Okay, so so we we've we've we found now that in decline gets the credit for this. And what's that? Well, here's the actual post. The most recent post from in decline is in fact the video of them shoplifting. The show must go on, making moves for those who can't. Special thanks to Whole Foods and Target for their generosity in this time of need at the Sidewalk Project. Okay. So in decline of the people who made this, who's in decline? Well, Wikipedia says in decline is an American anarchist art collective. Members have said the collective was formed in 2001 and is decentralized with dozens of members and affiliated groups in several U.S. states and a few foreign countries and have characterized it as an underground movement of activists, musicians, graffiti writers, and photographers. Okay. Uh, What are they known for? Oh, (laughs) bum fights. (laughs) Bravo, socialists. You're fighting for social justice. I appreciate it. So they say in 2002, Ryan McPherson, Daniel Tanner, and others operating as in decline films produced the first video in the bum fight series. Bum fights, a cause for concern. They subsequently took down the in decline films website and have said they sold the rights to the stories to two investors. Now, I think bum fights, many people might not really know what it is. I think a lot of people assume it's literally them having bums fight each other, but apparently that's not the case. 
They say this. The video series immediately gained criticism. The U.S.-based National Coalition for the Homeless, a homeless advocacy group, has stated that the bum fights videos foster contempt for the homeless and dehumanize them. In April 2006, the four original filmmakers agreed not to produce any more bum fights videos or distribute videos already made and to pay three homeless men depicted in the videos under a settlement announced shortly before a lawsuit was due to go to trial. (laughs) So they got sued and they had to pay the people they were exploiting for bum fights. Yeah, this is what we get from the socialists. Look, man, socialism is inherently a childish idea. It's utopian. It doesn't make sense. What we're dealing with right now globally is not socialism. It's called emergency provisioning. It's called emergency stimulus, and it will have serious consequences. Right now, we're talking about pumping trillions of dollars into the banks. We're talking about a trillion dollar stimulus package, giving everyone a check because the market is screeching to a halt. This is because it's an emergency, not because we really want to. When you look at countries like Venezuela and Cuba, where they weren't experiencing these emergencies and they were like, let's just do it anyway. And then everything fell apart. Then, then, what, then what do you hear from these people? Well, that's because the United States was meddling and trying to shut them down using propaganda. It's like, dude, nah, it's because socialism doesn't work. It's been tried over and over and over again. One thing that they like to say is real socialism has never been tried. Real communism has never been tried. It's because you can't get there. You can't even get to the point where you could literally try the system. Their big complaint is that countries like Venezuela, Cuba, the Soviet Union, etc., have always relied on some kind of market uh, mechanism and had top-down controls. That's right, because you can't just flick a switch and have everyone operating like a hive mind. Unless I guess you plug computers into all their brains and force them to do so, but we don't have the technology for this. So for the time being, somebody has to say, here's what you can and can't do, because you can't just radically transform the system. They've tried, and because you can't just transform the system this way, they end up killing lots of people. In the end, you end up with a bunch of really naive people they believe whatever they see. They don't question it. They see this video and they say, oodle lally, eat the rich. Yahoo! And then they go and buy their eat the rich t-shirts and make a, heart, a hearty profit for those that are seeking to exploit the system. In fact, these people who did bum fights actually have an ask me anything. And this was called out by some people on r slash socialism. Some of the people noticed like, hey, wait a minute. These are the guys who did bum fights. F these people. In the AMA, the top comment is, do you feel like scumbags that you are for creating bum fights? And they responded, I get seven to eight hours of sleep at night. Lots of S bags sleep well, too. You've yet to answer my question. Where's your Wikipedia page? Wow. That's who they're cheering for right now. <laughs> I have a Wikipedia page and I made bum fights. Is that what you want to be known for? Whatever, man. I mean, look, I guess technically you can call them anarchists, but they're not left-wing anarchists. I don't know what they are. Maybe they're just like joker anarchists, agents of chaos, and they want to make money to do more of whatever it is they do. I don't know. Look, I'll tell you what, man. Props to them for figuring out how to work the system and turn a profit, I guess. I'm not a fan, but, you know, aside from them doing what is, you know, what they've depicted as illegal, which I'm seriously opposed to, and I think it literally was illegal even if they did fake it, These are people who have found a naive bunch they're exploiting. I'm not a fan of that. But these people are stupid enough to eat it up without investigating, without looking into what's going on and to cheer for these people. Yet they then come out and claim it's other people that are oppressing them. No, you're being oppressed by the grifter class. These people like Rachel Maddow, for instance, literally everything Trump does is always wrong. Well, that can't be. 
Certainly some of the things he does is wrong. Certainly some of them must be good, right? He can't, he can be mostly bad or mostly good. But how is it that literally every step of the way, Rachel Maddow only ever says bad things about Trump? And I pointed this out the other day. I'll be the first to admit, I mostly have bad things to say about the Democrats, but come on. I actually think that's kind of fair. With Biden, like they, they chose him. The impeachment was a failure. It was a distraction. The investigations all fizzled out. I criticized them. And well, I got to say, for the most part, I was proven right on all of their failures. But even that being said, I've still praised several Democrats for their work on the coronavirus, for releasing important information that's, that's helped us prepare for it, for uh, calling out big tech. Yeah, they do things right sometimes. Yet you see this. Rachel Maddow, for instance, I did this segment on her the other day. She's just coming out saying everything Trump does is wrong. Don Lemon does the same thing. And then you have these activists realizing that these socialists will eat up anything that panders to them. And I'm sure the, true, the same is true for many Trump supporters. We've seen videos pander to them as well. These people are being exploited by a system and they're sitting there cheering for it. And you know what? You reap what you sow. Because I'll sh- I'll, I want to bring up this. It's a really old article. It's two and a half years old. And I've talked about it a couple times, but it's worth pointing out how Mike.com exploited social justice for clicks and then abandoned a staff that believed in it. I'm not going to read you the whole thing, but that's basically what they did. They hired a bunch of young social, social justice activists because they knew these people would naturally be inclined to write far left drivel and socialist nonsense to rally a bunch of idiots to go to their site to click their ads and make them money. I was actually told that many of the people running Mike were, act, were actually young college libertarians. They were young guys. They were libertarians. In fact, my understanding is the, the, the uh, origin of Mike.com actually did have some more right wing kind of content, and they quickly realized what made them money. And so they started hiring social justice activists. So let me point one more thing out to all of you. Feel free to criticize me all you want. Go in the comments, insult me. I'm one person. I'm one person with an opinion. I don't run a a major network. I don't have a a massive staff that I'm ordering to have an opinion. Many of these companies and these organizations are seeking to figure out what they can say to make money. Now, there is an interesting parallel between someone like me who has a point of view, a frame of mind, and frequently says similar things, you know, pointed in a certain direction. But there are individuals who organically emerge because they think things, And then there are companies that seek to exploit while not organically emerging. A company that starts out as, you know, mixed bag, right wing content, and then quickly realizes they can exploit social justice and socialism, and then hires those people that I consider to be grifting and dirty. Or an organization that makes a video like Bum Fights and then goes and makes this, you know, Robin Hood video. Yeah, I think that's exploitation. I think they're manipulating people who are too stupid to figure out what's going on. Then you have people like me and other YouTube commentators who just have opinions and make content as we as individuals see it. So there's a big difference. But no, we're not perfect. Everybody can be criticized. But I'll tell you what, while this video goes viral, those of you who have seen this now have a better understanding of what this video really is. And I could be wrong about a lot of the stuff. Maybe they really did steal all this stuff. I think they faked it. I don't think it's real. It's easier to fake a video. And, and if they're really, you know, selling merch and trying to build a brand, why would they risk going to jail? That being said, filming yourself, even faking a crime in many jurisdictions is illegal. So I'll leave it there. Stick around. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. at youtube.com slash Timcast. And I will see you all there. Amid the growing global pandemic, we're now starting to see just what is necessary and what isn't. And social justice leftists, the woke left, whatever you want to call it, they're kind of freaking out for several reasons. One, Many of these people are starting to realize that that their political positions don't matter 
and can only exist in the confines of a secure bubble of safety. Many others are starting to realize that their fringe wacko positions in colleges are now going to be exposed. Check out this story from Campus Reform. Professors worried students will share lectures with right-wing sites. Now, why would someone at a university be afraid that others might discover what they're saying? Ah, could it be that they're lying? You see, people on the right, or whatever the right and left is, I don't even know. But people from moderates, intellectual dark web types, to conservatives, love to have their ideas shouted from the high heavens. I'll tell you what, man, I could go out into the street, find anybody with a Trump hat and be like, hey, can I ask you questions? And they're going to be like, yeah, what's up? And I go to these leftists and they say, no, 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 no interviews. Get out of here. And they smash your camera and they swat you away because they know that when you actually expose what they're saying, the scrutiny would tear them to shreds. It's not just these ideas. A lot of jobs are vanity jobs. So I'll tell you what, my respect to all the truckers, farmers, grocery store workers, these are the real jobs we need. <laughs> these are the, this is, that's real life. You know, right now I'm doing, I'm sitting here complaining about politics. You could do with that. If, if, if you didn't hear from me in one day or whatever, you turn me off, you're going to be just fine. You're going to have your food. But if those truckers stop, stop driving, if those farmers stop farming, and if those grocery store uh, employees don't show up, then things start breaking down. So I will give my absolute respect to those I think are much more important than, than I in terms of making society function. But let's take a look at the political ideas for now, because while you're listening to me, hey, you'll get to hear me complain about politics. Campus Reform says, professors across the country are taking to social media to express their concern over being forced to deliver their course lectures online amid the coronavirus pandemic. They say outbreak, but pandemic. Sharing with each other tips on how to limit the number of people who are able to see what they're teaching students and criticizing right-wing sites and even campus reform specifically. Texas Christian University Associate Professor of Political Science Emily Ferris tweeted Thursday, if you are recording a lecture on anything controversial, be prepared for right-wing sites to ask students to share it. Campus Reform reached out to Ferris via Twitter direct messaging to allow her the opportunity to further explain her comments or to clarify she later blocked the author of this article on Twitter. Of course. Come on, man. You know that every single Trump supporter wants to talk about what they want to talk about. These people want to hide it because they know it's wacky. There's the tweet from her. She's verified. LaSalle University Assistant Professor of Public Health Christian Rexing replied to Ferris's tweet asking why others could find topics such as gun safety, women's health, elections, etc. to be controversial as they are evidence-based. Seems like the floodgates could open. Rexing commented in response to courses moving online. University of North Carolina political science graduate student Stephanie Shady also weighed in, saying, and I just realized that the second half of my course focuses on public opinion towards the politicization of immigration. This will be interesting. Another user with a Twitter name, Prof CWO, replied, sigh. I teach about white nationalism, and this has been my biggest fear since we began transitioning to online instruction. You know why they're afraid? They're lying. They lie to young people. They spread lies and fear, and they don't want anyone to actually get access to real information or to contrarian opinion, which you should. One thing that truly terrified me, if you, you may have missed a segment, is that there's been this analysis piece going around. It's got 2.6 million views in a day. It was on Medium and it was talking about the coronavirus. Now, I think it was a very bad article. I disagree with it. But I do believe people have a right to express their opinions. And we, we debate ideas and shoot them down when they're bad. We don't silence them. Of course, Twitter restricted access to the link. 
and Medium, the crowd user generated text, you know, uh, hosting site, deleted it. That is not what we want, but it's what they do. They can't stand up to scrutiny, so they will shut you down instead. We can see these posts. Columbia University political science professor Jeffrey Lack said he has been thinking about how students will be able to record classes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Someone responded, if campus reform harasses you or someone you know, the best response is to follow the money. Campus reform receives $1.4 million from the Leadership Institute, a Koch-funded organization designed to delegitimize academics they consider too left. They are not a news source. You know, love, there have been people who have tried to smear me as receiving funding from shady investors. Guess what? None. I have none. I have none. Ha ha. Try again. I'm going to criticize all of these people and these fake news journalists. And guess what? You can call me whatever you want, but you can't smear me as having received funding from any of these organizations. Sorry, I haven't. Trinity College Associate Professor of Political Science, Isaac Kamola, who, as Campus Reform previously reported, sought to hire a Campus Reform early responder, specifically mentioned Campus Reform in his replies to Ferris. Oh, so they mentioned that. A user whose website says they are a history professor at a community college in North Texas wrote, I'm taking steps to limit this, but nothing is foolproof. Oh man, the floodgates are coming open. We're now going to see, we're going to, we're, we're going to be inundated in a sea of insane college lectures. The sheer lies these people pump out will be glorious. And then you are going to see people like Ben Shapiro, I, I, like Ben Shapiro is going to wake up one day. And he's going to see all of this awful college leftism. And he's going to be like, yes. And then he's going to summon his Daily Wire hordes, start tearing through it and ripping it apart. Because guess what? In the past, you didn't have access to what these people were saying. And now you do. Or at least we assume you will. Ferris asked how Gunter was working to ensure her lectures are not made public, to which Gunter responded with one tip for her colleague. Instead of posting videos direct to LMS, which would then own them, I'm posting links to uh, links to the videos on YouTube. The videos themselves are unlisted, meaning you can't find them in a search. Or if you go to my to my page, only if you have the direct link doesn't stop link sharing, though. So that's that's the gist of the story, I guess, on campus reform. So uh, I, I, for one, am excited to see what these lunatics have been posting about. But I do have more on this subject from the post millennial. I briefly briefly mentioned this in my main video earlier. So you may have you may have heard it if you checked it out. The social justice cult is falling apart as the world faces a real crisis. Did you know that there have been numerous stories claiming that white nationalists or whatever are trying to manipulate the coronavirus or some other nonsense? Dude, does anyone really care about this right now? There was also a viral post from Vice, which said that, oh man, it was awful. It said something like the coronavirus is exposing how like trans affirming surgeries are are like, uh, you know, I don't know unimportant or whatever. Listen, man, if you've got to use ICU beds because people's lungs have literally stopped working and they can't breathe and they're trying to rip out their their, their ventilators because they don't understand it's saving their life, that's the stories. They're, they're horrifying. I'm sorry, man. I'm not trying to downplay your struggles, but if you're, if you're going in for a surgery for anything and they tell you you're going to have to come back later, it's called triage. I mean, this isn't necessarily the same thing, but it's prioritization. We're, we're going to say, listen, man, this guy will die in two days. Like these people are dropping dead. Yeah, I'm sorry. You can wait a week. You'll be OK. You'll live. But that's the stories that are coming out. The money all rights. The social ju- the social justice set has been shrieking about lives being at risk for almost a decade. But now that we're faced with actual devastation to the human way of life, it becomes clear that it was always only rhetoric. 
Social justice is the culture that cried wolf. Now that lives are truly at risk as a result of a global pandemic, quick action is being implemented in North America to protect our most vulnerable. Instead of supporting these common sense, ideally temporary changes required to get through this unprecedented time, the Church of Social Justice is actually jealous of coronavirus. It turns out that no one was ever going to die from being misgendered or experiencing a microaggression. Imagine that. <laughs> I can. Now, think pieces abound. Think pieces abound as to how the coronavirus is misogynist because more women are at home and stuck doing the domestic labor or transphobic since trans-affirming surgeries have been postponed or outright canceled. And now the story is that it took the coronavirus pandemic to show us how quickly we could change if only we wanted to. So uh, recently they announced that men are like twice as likely to die from the coronavirus. And that really undermined the, uh, the, the, the feminist narrative or something to that effect, like men are twice as likely to be affected by it. And this is something that we've been hearing about for quite some time. Also, apparently Asians are more likely to be affected by it. But man, this really does put a wrench in the social justice narrative. There was a story that I had talked about with my buddy on, the, on, on my podcast, Timcast IRL, about how uh, she, this woman wrote that the coronavirus was sending us back to the 1950s. And I agree, it is. Because in a real crisis, no one's going to be sitting there trying to figure out what's fair and what isn't. They're going to say, whoever's the big dude, you block the door because the zombies are a coming. I don't mean that literally. I mean, I'll put it this way. If you were in like a shed and it was like a dude and a woman and zombies were a coming, in all likelihood, the guy will probably have more, more bone density, more muscle mass. And they're going to say, you do it. No one's going to be arguing about, well, it's not fair that the man takes the certain. No, no one's going to talk about that. So yeah, we really are going to go back to, a, to the 1950s. And that means their politics literally don't exist. They don't. It only existed because there was nothing else to fight for. And this is one of the things I brought up in, probably in a video I did about why Jordan Peterson was, was uh, so popular. You have what I view as two big factions in the culture war. Not necessarily the only factions, but there are young people who have no purpose and are bored and sitting around with nothing to do. And then you have the social justice crowd that because, of, they, had, because they had no purpose, they made up a fake purpose. Like, is anyone really concerned about someone getting misgendered? No. But we are concerned about coughing up a lung and dying. So with Jordan Peterson, you ended up with a guy who said, that's not real. You need real responsibility. And that resonated with a lot of people. And that's why the other side didn't really like him. He was taking away their fake purpose. Well, Jordan Peterson tries he might, couldn't do as good of a job as the coronavirus could have, showing us that not only are college campuses full of lies and deception, but that much of the social justice ideology is vanity. It doesn't matter to our survival. And now it's kind of drifting away. We'll see what happens. I, I, will, I, will, I will leave it there. I will leave it there. I have a couple more segments in a few minutes. I will see you all shortly. Well, I was wrong. Uh, a couple days ago, I said I didn't think we'd come to a point where people would start getting arrested for violating these strong recommendations. But uh, no, I was wrong. Two New Jersey homeowners are arrested after hosting large gatherings, including a pop-up wedding at their homes, as cops say people are ignoring the coronavirus lockdown. I thought it was a strong suggestion. Apparently it's not. Apparently, if you defy the orders of the state, they will come and arrest you. And this is where things start getting scary. You know, earlier today, I was like, well, I don't think we got to worry too much about martial law because they're not really saying you can't go do stuff. They're saying we just just please don't. Well, these guys apparently decided that because a wedding got canceled, they were going to host at their house. They got arrested for it. The Daily Mail reports, 
Two New Jersey residents were arrested this week after they hosted large crowds at, an, uh, at events in their homes, including a pop-up wedding in defiance of social distancing orders amidst the coronavirus outbreak. Eliyahu El- Zaks, 49, was taken into custody on Friday after authorities said he hosted a pop-up wedding in his home on Spruce Street in Lakewood, which is not illegal. You can issue uh, you know, a ban on certain things, but is there, can you really try someone for this? Now, this is where it gets freaky. The event was attended by more than 50 people. Okay, look, not a fan of what this guy is doing. Come on. We're all trying to get, get, get through this. And the sooner everybody just buckles down for a little bit, the faster it'll all be over. Nobody's happy it's happening. The event was attended by more than 50 people. A violation of the state's newly enacted edict banning such gatherings as part of efforts to contain the virus. Another local resident, 43-year-old Shal Cooperwasser, was arrested after a large crowd was seen gathering at his home on Thursday. We can see here's the photo. They posted a photo of his house. That's not cool. We don't need that. This one says the Lakewood scoop. This wedding was supposed to take place tomorrow at a hall in Lakewood. Instead, it took place today in a backyard with just a couple dozen people. Several residents of Lakewood, New Jersey, have called the police after witnessing large gatherings at private homes in violation of a statewide ban, which was enacted to help stop the spread of the coronavirus. The image above was posted to social media showing an alleged gathering in the township earlier this week. Lakewood officials said they received dozens of angry phone calls from local residents who have reported mass gatherings in recent days, according to Patch. The authorities said they are acting with a sense of urgency after Lakewood reported a confirmed 26 cases of coronavirus through Friday. So look, I totally get why they're worried about this and why they would probably want to stop events like this. But do you really need to arrest them? Across New Jersey, at least 11 people have died of coronavirus infection. Statewide, there have been a confirmed 890 cases. Lakewood Police Captain Gregory Stafford Smith said his officers have continued to break up large gatherings this week, despite the stay at home order. We want the public to know that we have heard and share their concerns regarding gatherings of more than 50 people and have taken action against those who have failed to comply. So does that mean I can have 49 people over at my house and that's okay? The recent sightings of public gatherings have already exacerbated long-running tensions in Lakewood, where a large Orthodox Jewish population has relocated in recent years. New Jersey police earlier this week broke up two large weddings at reception halls, according to NJ Advance Media. Even as wedding halls were ordered to shut down, residents simply moved the ceremonies to backyards on their residential properties. Lakewood residents were particularly outraged by photos showing hundreds of students inside a local yeshiva. The photos, which were circulated on Thursday on Orthodox Jewish news sites and social media, set off a flood of notification, according to police. Here's a photo. It says the above image shows the Lake Terrace Catering Hall in Lakewood. Police were called to the catering hall earlier this week after receiving reports that a wedding was being held there in defiance of the lockdown. New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy this week angrily vowed to crack down more harshly on residents who held gatherings as state authorities struggled to prevent the fast-spreading disease. It's time to cut the crap, Murphy told reporters in Trenton on Thursday. When asked about the continued violations in Lakewood, Murphy said, we simply cannot have this. We have got to ensure compliance no matter what the circumstances are. The governor vowed that his order banning gatherings of of more than 50 has to be enforced. It will be enforced aggressively, he said. Murphy was also asked to respond to rumors circulating online of widespread coronavirus infections among, Orthodox, among the Orthodox Jewish population of Lakewood. We don't have any insight on that. There was a rumor that 100 people were exposed. We cannot confirm that. 
Orthodox community, community leaders in Lakewood said that all 200 local synagogues and 130 yeshivas in the area have either shut down completely or limited prayer to small groups. This is a very concentrated, close-knit community, Rabbi Mosh Zev Weisberg told NJ Advanced Media. Many day-to-day activities and religious customs are done in group settings, so it's a bit of a learning curve. They then go on to show us the cases in the U.S., over 22,000. America going into, a, into lockdown. Now, several states, New Jersey, New York, Connecticut, Illinois, and California are all under lockdown orders. Quote, but an incident here or there should not reflect the community. Nationwide, the death toll reached 280 as of Saturday afternoon. Meanwhile, the total number of confirmed cases being reported in the United States surpassed 22,000. So this is actually from yesterday. And around the same time, we have seen an escalating call for authoritarianism, which I absolutely oppose. I'm, I want to I want to show you this next story because these 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 stories are starting to freak me out, man. Look, as I mentioned early on in this video, and as we read into this, I thought it was okay when the when they weren't arresting people, just telling us we got to do it. And I understand it's a struggle if people aren't going to listen, but man, it's going to get worse. If you think they're going to stop here, you are wrong. The DOJ has already requested the ability to indefinitely detain people. And now we see what I think is maybe like the fourth or fifth article, the op-ed I've seen, demanding a national lockdown. USA Today op-ed, we need an immediate five-week national lockdown to defeat coronavirus in America. Locking down the country would reduce infections and allow time for massive testing. There will be staggering human and economic costs if we delay. They write, I am an MIT-trained physicist and complexity scientist who studies pandemics. I have warned about global pandemics due to increasing travel for 15 years. I recommend community-based monitoring of symptoms to stop. I recommended community-based monitoring of symptoms uh, to stop Ebola in West Africa in 2014, and it worked. The fastest and even the only way to contain COVID-19 in the U.S. is a five-week national lockdown. Closing schools, bars, and movie theaters are good measures, but not enough. Our relaxed approach to social distancing is insufficient to stop the exponential growth of COVID-19 until Americans consistently adopt strong social distancing recommendations, a lockdown, the disease will continue to spread exponentially. I get it, man. I do. I actually agree to a certain extent. The experts want to come out and say, we got to lock things down, at least for a little bit. I say, okay, but now you're crossing the line. The DOJ's uh, requests, nah, none of that. You're pressing, buddy. And now the arrest of two people in Jersey, Now you're starting to make it harder for me, not only to agree, but to even convince others this is a good idea. I get it. People are defying the orders. I don't know what the right answer is. He says, during a five-week national lockdown, federal, state, and local authorities would ensure that all Americans stay home except to obtain food and other essential access, essentials, access medical care, or do work essential to the functioning of society. Travel would cease. We would close our borders and airports and prohibit all unnecessary travel across the state and and county or town within the United States. The U.S. government would have to provide aid to citizens separated from their sources of income and ensure care for the vulnerable members of society. This is getting insane. Lockdown would sharply reduce cases. Yes, we get it. But to what degree, man? Now, I've seen a bunch of Trump supporters saying we can't just shut down the entire economy because of this virus and we have to open it up a little bit more. I'm not entirely convinced it needs to be opened up more than we're doing now. I honestly don't know. But talking about harsher shutdowns and the government then coming in to provide supplies is where it gets it gets worrisome, especially amid arrests. He says 
The lockdown will give us time to dramatically scale up our supply of COVID-19 test kits and capacity to process them. If we reduce the number of infections using the lockdown and start a massive testing regime in the U.S., we can control COVID-19 after five weeks without such extreme social distancing measures. Isolating sick individuals and their immediate contacts will be enough. Okay, well, I'll point out one thing that's fair. As we're hearing now from officials that we're going to drag this out for months, perhaps he's right. Man, I just don't know. It's freaky. If, if I was to offer you up two solutions, a five-week hard lockdown where you can't do anything or four months of slight lockdown, which one would you choose? I mean, there's pros and cons for both, but maybe the best thing we can do is rip the bandaid off fast, which means a harsher lockdown. We sit it out. And then within five weeks, we're back to normal. The alternative would be shutting the economy down for an extended period of time. And then the longer the economy is shut down, the more irreparable the damage becomes. Perhaps a short solution, but a harsher one makes more sense. He says the human and economic cost of delaying this lockdown will be staggering. The COVID-19 outbreak has many more cases now that are visible and they are growing rapidly. Absent sufficiently effective intervention, new cases will increase 1.3 to 1.5 times each day. We had almost 20,000 cases in the US on Friday, over 5,800 more cases than the previous day. Now we're well above that. So he's calling for buying time and says, we know what we have to do. President Donald Trump and our state's governors and local leaders must act now to save millions of lives. And they go on to say that he's the founding president of the New England Complex Systems Institute, where he is an expert on pandemics and other complex systems. He is spearheading the effort of over 3000 volunteers working to stop the outbreak. And they list his website and others uh, and such other information. So I want to point out, how do you trust the government? How do you know when your trust extended too far? How do you know when you need to be more skeptical? I honestly don't know. There are many things I, I, I mean, for the most part, I don't trust the government. So right now, what if it's true that these numbers are overstated and the people calling for the pandemics are just fueling an agenda? Trump is getting to do whatever he wants. These guys actually, these are actually calling for an end to immigration, shutting the borders down, exactly what Trump wanted. So I'm, I'm surprised Trump supporters are upset about this. Look, I get it. I understand you can be upset about the virus itself and the loss of life. My concern is, at what point do we say the provisions are too much and we must stop? We must stop. I honestly just don't know. We'll find our limit. You might not be able to iterate it now, but there will come a time where someone's going to say we can't do this anymore. For the time being, I'm okay with with sitting it out and waiting for a short period of time. I don't know how much longer Americans are going to be willing to do that, especially if you live in a big city in a cubicle apartment. I got one more story in a few minutes and I will see you all. You know, if I was somebody who worked in the Democratic establishment, I'd be really nervous right now, too. According to The Hill, the Democrats are growing nervous over primary delays. Yeah, I'm sorry, man. As far as I can tell, the race is over. Joe Biden's already lost. Trump is on TV every single day reassuring Americans who overwhelmingly agree with what he's doing and support him. Yet Joe Biden is nowhere to be found. In fact, a hashtag was trending. Where's Joe? Made a video about I made a video about it the other day, and I got to give a shout out one more time to Glenn Greenwald's tweet where he said something like, "We need Joe Biden's fearless leadership and steely calm now more than ever." Oh wait, where is he? Yeah, Joe Biden is gone. Trump is getting free playtime. There's no race. The Democratic primary has been postponed in I think like five states now, so it's no surprise they're freaking out. The Hill reports. Democrats are increasingly nervous about the coronavirus pandemic upending the Democratic primary calendar as more and more states postpone their primaries, delaying their elections as far back as June. Some Democrats say 
that it will make the job of defeating Trump more difficult. Yes, not only that, but people seem to generally approve in Donald Trump's efforts against the coronavirus. Former vice president. All right, here's a quote. I think there's a desire for closure to the primaries and getting on with the business of beating Trump, said Adisu Demissi, who served as campaign manager on Cory Booker's presidential campaign. Former Vice President Joe Biden holds a big delegate lead over Bernie Sanders, but Bernie ain't. Bernie's not dropping out and is widely seen as the inevitable Democratic nominee. But it could still take a number of contests for Biden to win enough delegates to clinch the nomination. And the scheduling delays would only push that back further. And I got to tell you right now, Bernie Sanders is hosting live streams. He's giving updates on the coronavirus. He raised like a couple million bucks or something for I think it was Meals on Wheels, something like that. He's been raising money. He's been doing well. Joe Biden is gone. I'm sorry, man. I don't think either of them are going to win. But if you think Joe Biden is better than Bernie at this point, I don't, I don't know what your deal is. Look, I, I mean, I'm critical of Bernie Sanders as a socialist and his flip-flopping. But right now you've got Bernie calling out globalization, calling out China, and actually agreeing with Trump on two major decisions, the Defense Production Act and the stimulus package, the giving Americans a check. Where's Biden? I don't even know what Biden is doing. He's gone, man. They say uh, he holds a big delegate lead. That could hamper Biden's candidacy. In theory, the Biden campaign could spend the next seven months with a singular focus instead of keeping one, uh, one eye on a primary opponent whose chances of victory are virtually zero. Yeah, well, too bad. Bernie ain't dropping out. Biden finds himself in a delegate situation as he tries to pivot to the general election. As he transitions, he doesn't want to alienate Sanders supporters for fear they won't show up in November. They won't show up in November. You can't win these people over. Just stop. I think the concern is that as long as the primaries are active, Biden must be seen and must actually not be dismissive of Sanders, lest the Sanders diehards turn against him in the fall, Demitsky added. So it's forcing the Biden team to walk a tightrope across a canyon when the bridge is right there. Ohio postponed its primary a day before voters were to go to the polls on March 17th, pushing it to June 2nd. Other states like Connecticut, Kentucky, Louisiana, and Georgia have also postponed their primaries, some as far as late June. Tensions are running high because of the virus and the toll it could take on the general election campaign. Biden has said Biden has had to eliminate large campaign events and fundraisers instead. His campaign has increasingly gone virtual, where he holds teletown halls and online fundraising events, which was horrifying. Biden mumbled and muttered and walked off camera. I'm sorry, we're done. Trump is getting daily Trump rallies on TV where he's telling the American public what he's doing to help them. Joe Biden is muttering and mumbling and doing nothing. It would be hard to divorce the anxiety associated with the coronavirus outbreak from the anxiety some Democrats are feeling about the need to settle on on a nominee, said Democratic strategist Joel Payne. For practical reasons, Democrats would like to get on with the business of uniting behind a candidate to streamline fundraising and grassroots operations and create a big tent message that allows the best opportunity to beat Trump in November. Speaking to reporters on a conference call this week, Senator Sherrod Brown of Ohio also expressed concern after his state postponed its primary this week. Brown said he was worried about what it might mean for the general election in November. My concern is that in the age of Trump, that governors might think or, what, or that the president might ask for a delay in the November election based on something, perhaps this, perhaps something else, the senator said, according to the Columbus Dispatch. We can't let this be a precedent. I'm hopeful the governor and legislature will come together to do, the, uh, to do this earlier. The Democratic National Committee this week asked states not to reschedule their primaries, but instead implement a vote by mail system. 
States can provide easy access to voting. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, we get it. Democrats are freaking out. But I got more stuff I want to show you. So check, check out this poll. 37% say Trump is the candidate who cares about their problems and needs the most. When I first saw this, I thought, wow, only 37%. Man, that's bad news for Trump. So what? 63% don't like it. Oh, I'm sorry. There were three people in this race and Trump won. According to the poll from Hill Harris X, a plurality of voters say they believe Trump is the 2020 White House candidate who cares most about their personal problems and needs, while a majority say his Democratic rivals care the most. So technically, you could argue that together, Biden and Bernie beat Trump, but that's not fair. They're different people. When asked about them as individuals, Trump got 37 percent, Biden got 33 and Sanders got 29. I'm surprised Sanders got so little. Biden was slightly more favored than Sanders among those who said they would be the most caring candidate, 33 to 29 percent, while both trailed Trump in the three person survey. I'm willing to bet that Biden will probably take the bigger percentage if Sanders drops out. But a large portion of Sanders voters might actually just drop out. And if we see the same numbers we saw last time, around 10 or so percent, then it might actually be generally even between the two. I don't know. Biden might have a slight lead. Despite the plurality support for Trump, Democratic strategist and Autonomy Strategies founder Christian Ramos said he believes if it was a two-way race, the numbers would come out in favor of Biden. That's a winning coalition right there for Joe Biden. <laughs> Dude, I, if you go out and vote for Joe Biden, man, I don't, I don't even know. At, like Trump's got problems, but come on, man, Joe Biden, he's like Trump. He's worse than Trump. Okay, Joe Biden is creepy Joe. You, you haven't seen the videos where he's touching those girls in inappropriate ways. It's really gross. And like the girl winces and like pulls away. And then you have, and then you have the fact that he mutters and mumbles. He is sleepy, creepy Joe. Well, you know what, man? Maybe the polls are wrong this time. I can't believe anybody would vote for Biden. I understand why people don't like Donald Trump, because I know a lot of people who don't like it. They think Trump's attitude is really gross, and they don't like a lot of his policies. I think it's funny because a lot of his policies are like similar to many other policies of other presidents. That's why I'm fairly ambivalent. I'm like, is that what your real concern is, that the orange man has a potty mouth? That's like on the bottom of the list for me. Like, I'll acknowledge it is an issue, but not what I care that much about. Barack Obama blew up kids. You want me to complain about Trump having a potty mouth when Barack Obama was blowing up kids? I'm, I'm not going to do it, man. I'm not, I'm not going there. But um, I don't want to get into the political bickering all that much. So, so I'll, I'll back away. Look, if you want to vote for Biden, you, you, do, you do your thing. You know, vote for whoever you think is the right person, be it Trump or Biden. But I do want to give a shout out and say, now's the time for us to, to do the right thing. And this story was actually really cool. GOP governor group pauses political attacks amid coronavirus while Democrats continue. All right, well, the Democrats aren't going to stop fine, whatever. But I think it's respectable that anybody, I don't care if you're a Democrat or Republican, at least here it seems it's the GOP backing away from going after Cuomo because we got to come together, man. Right now we're facing an invisible threat. This could be a unifying force for us. There's a potential silver lining. While people are going to lose their lives and we got to fight really, really hard to protect them, and make sure they make it through this okay. The silver lining is with this, you know, this, this uh, single enemy, we all now realize that we have to work together. And I might, I might have criticisms of people like Bernie or Ocasio-Cortez. I'm, I've criticized Trump in the past, but you know, it's the socialist flip-floppers I'm typically ragging on. That's, it's fair to point out. I can put that all aside right now. 
I can give uh, props to, you know, Rashida Tlaib, who I've been critical of in the past. She came out and made statements about the importance of going after the coronavirus and fighting this. And I, there you go, man. I'm going to make I want I want to do what these other groups are doing and, and, and similarly say, like, now's the time to come together. There's a challenge. And I'm not I'm not free from criticism. I've absolutely ragged on media pundits and Democrats over their response to the coronavirus. It's not perfect and it's hard to do. And I think there are certain things we can do. Like I've tried, you know, I've refrained from just baselessly going after people or trying to make them the center of attention simply for political reasons. And I'll try and give them support, be it the president or people like Rashida Tlaib. If we're, if we're focused on fighting this common enemy, that's a good thing. And once we're past it, I can go back to pointing the finger and screaming far left or whatever else, right? Apparently not everybody feels that way. And that makes it hard because you'll still get the Rachel Maddows. You'll still get these, these pundits on Twitter screeching about how the president is bad. You know, in my criticism, I, I typically go after like the concept, the idea or the organization. Like I'll say the media. I'm not doing that to accuse literally every single journalist of being bad, but it's because I'm trying to avoid singling out specific people. Although I'll single out Rachel Maddow and other people too. I'm not perfect. The point is a lot of people are screeching orange man bad. I think now's not the time to be throwing, you know, rocks and bottles at the pilot of the plane when even if he's a bad pilot, he's trying to land. You know, that, that, that was the analogy they gave in the past that we've got. This is the guy who's flying the plane as the people wanted. The best thing we can do is support him and do our best to make sure he lands the plane properly. Well, now we've got a serious threat. People are still throwing rocks and bottles at the pilot. Nah, I'm not a fan of that. So Democrats, I don't know what you're going to do with Joe Biden, but I don't see him winning. I think the people who are sitting around watching, there, there are people on this plane watching the others throw bottles at the pilot thinking you are nuts. He's landing the plane. He's not great, but come on, let him land. They're not going to want to support you because it's your people throwing the rocks and bottles. So, but I guess we'll see how this plays out. I'll see you all tomorrow at 10 a.m. on this channel in the next segment.